you know, I heard a statistic the other day. I was up at a career fair at Iowa State, and um, I believe they mentioned that is it seventy percent of animal science undergraduates are women, and I would assume that that is a large increase over the years. And I, 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 I think that it's right to acknowledge that um, we will have more women coming into the workforce within animal science, within the animal agriculture industry. And, you know, I think um, there's an abundance of opportunities for us to continue to grow and work together. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Eastman Animal Nutrition. Visit EASTMAN.com. Adiseo is a worldwide leader in animal nutrition, providing nutritional solutions and services which fuel predictable profits. Genesis, the first power in genetics. This episode's sponsored highlight is about Healthy Farms by Bioverse. We have a time and labor-saving product for you. AgriSlats by Healthy Farms is your solution. No more lugging jugs around the barn every month. With AgriSlats, you simply drop the slat through the floor twice a year, and it works to break down solids, reduces crusting and forming. To learn more, visit MyHealthyFarms.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Erica Lane, who is the Sustainability Manager for Iowa Select Farms. Hi, Erica. How are you today? Hello. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for having me today. Well, we're super excited to have you on today, Erica. Um, But before we really talk about the topic at hand, maybe give our audience just a little bit of background about yourself, and then, then we'll start in with some questions. Yeah, of course. Well, like Laura mentioned, my name is Erica Lane. I uh, grew up in West or Eastern Iowa, uh, right between Dubuque and Davenport on a row crop and beef cattle farm. And I attended Iowa State University um, studying animal science. And that is where I truly fell in love with the pork industry. I've had experience uh, within uh, the processing plant uh, side of uh, the business Uh, And then I was able to jump into production here at Iowa Select Farms. And so I moved to Southern Iowa with my husband, uh, where we farm just northeast of Corden. We have row crop and beef cattle on our farm as well. Uh, And I started with Iowa Select five years ago as a guilt selector here in Southern Iowa. And so that, that production experience has really given me a great foundation of what the industry is all about. And I truly uh, valued my time uh, in the barns learning alongside my coworkers. Um, And so after that uh, position, I was able to look into um, an environmental role here at Iowa Select. And so I oversaw uh, the manure application and coordinating of the manure here in Southern Iowa region uh, for about two years here at Iowa Select. And then just most recently, uh, just about a year ago, jumped into the sustainability manager role as we officially started uh, this department here. So really excited to be here. Uh, Really looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah, so just listening to your background, Erica, I'm listening to you say you grew up with row crops and beef cattle. 
but you really like the pork industry. So how did you make the leap from one to the other? Well, I actually love giving credit to one of my professors at Iowa State. Um, I started an, an animal science class specific to swine production and fell in love with it, fell in love with the opportunities that provided. And, you know, honestly, the challenging side of it, it was something that I had never known about. It, it was nothing that I grew up with and um, it was very new to me and I wanted to learn more about it and really started to dig and dive into it. Um, and then I actually had an opportunity to study abroad uh, to China and Japan for pork production and come back and have an internship in a processing plant. And how um, advanced the industry is within technology and innovation was very eye-appealing to me and wanted to continue this uh, with my career. And so I think that's actually really intriguing. And, and so you kind of led me into my next thought process. And it was around the processing plant since you said that was your first job. Um, so you fell in love with swine, you still do your row crops and your beef is kind of quote your hobby, if you will, your second job. Um, so I think it's a really interesting story because we've had this conversation in the past around labor and how do we get people who aren't familiar with pigs excited about pigs. And so maybe before we jump into the processing plant and some of your first experiences there, let's kind of step back for a moment and, and talk a little bit about maybe how that study abroad or those internships um, really influenced your decision to move into this, to, into this field. Can you maybe expand a little bit more about what really kind of caught your attention? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, different movement pieces in the swine industry. Um, and I really didn't realize uh, the other opportunities outside of just production. Um, you know, I knew that I truly needed and wanted that foundation of production experience to understand how everything moves. Um, but it is, it's uh, very integrated within the business and within the industry of how we effectively and efficiently produce pigs. You know, it's extremely different compared to beef production. And I think that was the most eye appealing, right? And, and obviously, here in the state of Iowa, we're number one in pork production. And there's an abundance of jobs uh, available within this industry. And so that was another part of it that was also eye appealing. Very good. So let's kind of talk about that first job. So again, you know, processing facilities, you did have an internship in it. So you were at least a little bit familiar with it. But processing facilities are definitely different than production. So what did you learn from the processing facility that maybe led you into that next role of, of going into production itself? Yeah. So I actually uh, moved 13 hours away uh, for this internship. And so even outside of gaining uh, experience within the processing plant, I also gained experience on um, living on my own. That was 13 hours away. So that itself was um, an amazing opportunity uh, that I was able to have. Uh, I would I would say, I think the biggest thing that I took out of the processing plants is they are truly, truly, truly efficient. When they have downtime, it is um, a big investment for for that plant as they as they continue throughout their day. And so, um, really eye opening experience around efficiency. Um, and collaboration with different lines and different departments within the plant that all worked together. 
Um, but then, you know, thinking about the, the industry as a holistic um, approach and, and how they all work together, I think the biggest thing was how true production and what's going on at the barn level impacts what we're doing at the plant. And so, you know, you, you work through summertime and the heat stress that animals go on and the impact and effect it has on meat quality or, you know, how that process is, is done at, at the plant with um, the environment pigs would have to live in, you know, with extreme heat, um, heat waves. And so there's a lot of different pieces that I took out of it, but I think the biggest thing is, is how everything works together right, uh, for the end product and how it needs to work together within the supply chain to provide that product to our consumer. Yeah, I think that's a great, a great discussion, particularly, you know, listening to you talk about efficiency and then understanding that it all starts from the beginning, right? So everything is interconnected in, in what we do and how we work with the animal and so forth. Um, and so you, you left the packing facilities and, and industry and you chose to go over actually into live animal production. And so, um, you know, I just listening to you, you know, what were kind of your first overall impressions of working in live animal production? I had a lot to learn, <laughs> really, truly. I had zero experience going into it. And um, I was extremely grateful for a great mentor, a great company that provided me with uh, the resources that I needed to learn what I wanted to learn. I, you know, had amazing you know, managers that I worked with every single day. Um, a lot of our managers have been with the company since day one and, and have worked their way up, you know, through caretakers to through managers and then ultimately to a supervisor. And so a ton of knowledge and experience internally. And I truly leaned on them. Uh, to learn. And I have the mentality that no question is a dumb question. And that's the only way that we're going to, we're going to learn and move forward. And um, I'm a very hands-on person. And so for me to, to have a process or procedure stick in my mind on how we do it, I need to do it, you know, with my hands and in person, and I need to know why we do it. Right. And so why do we handle pigs the way that we do? Well, it's the right thing for the pigs. So they have, you know, the best animal care possible. Uh, but also it impacts, you know, the meat quality, right? So we want to have low stress animals to provide a product to our consumers that they, they want to, that they want to enjoy. And so understanding how each piece, like I said, works together and intertwines with each other. Um, the ultimate why question, why do we do this? Right. How do we, how do we get to the end goal as, as an industry? Yeah, and I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, right? You took the approach that no question was a dumb question. And I, I think that's when we continue to hear from people of, well, I may not have grown up in the pig industry, so I don't really feel like I'm qualified. And, and here we have you as an example of someone who didn't grow up in the pig industry. You had a little bit of experience in the harvesting plants, but never really had worked in production. And yet here you are today, right? So you've not just worked with gilts, but you've done some other things and and all along the way, really, if I listen to your story, we've done guilt selection, you've gone into environmental management, and now you're in sustainability. These are all really different pieces. Um, and so you have to learn along the way, right? You have to ask those questions. And so I think that's a really good story and a key point um, for our listeners 
whether they're in their own career path and they're curious about pursuing a different direction or, you know, maybe even a younger listener that's, that's still an undergraduate thinking about what they want to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, another piece, how it, it all ties together is um, in production, you know, I coming out of college, I looking back probably had a more narrow mindset of how am I going to utilize this information uh, for my next role, right? How do, how, do, how do these all connect? And so going into an environmental role, well, the production side of it, you have to work together in order to responsibly and safely apply nutrients and lining up barns and making sure that they're set up properly uh, for the pig health and ensuring that that we stay in compliance with the BNR around um, how we apply our manure and how that intertwines together. And so, and, and on top of that too, it's, you know, biosecurity in our Southern Iowa region, we have a lot of um, guilt development units and cell farms. And so uh, herd health is our biggest risk and our, and our biggest um, way that we can advance our, our business forward. And so, Biosecurity is is top notch, you know, during pumping season, we need to make sure that uh, we stay in compliance with those procedures because um, that's detrimental to our business and to the animals. So uh, that's another piece that allowed me to have insight on production within um, the environmental role was around biosecurity and making sure, you know, our equipment was clean enough to go to certain sites, knowing the status of those sites, understanding why the status of that site you know, was the way it was or how it fits into our, our chart of how we move to different sites, excuse me, to, to move to different sites. And so um, I think looking back, I didn't realize that uh, that information and that knowledge I gained at the beginning of my career would truly help me understand really, you know, I, I use that information and knowledge to this day. And so I think that's a key part that I would even provide to, to young leaders coming into the industry is all that information you learn and you gain at your first job, you know, no matter what industry it's in or if you love it or if you hate it, you're you're still going to get valuable uh, insight and skill set out of that. Absolutely. So before we kind of jump over to another topic, I want to kind of end on, on your last or your current position, if you will. So I, I can kind of see really easily how you went from environmental to sustainability, but um Sustainability, as we've talked about in the past, is such a big word, it's such a broad word. And so in your role today, could you maybe share a little bit more about what a sustainability manager might look like? Yeah, um, it's a really great question. And a year ago, that might have been really uh, hard to, to answer. But uh, with the year underneath my belt, um, I've had a lot of growing pains. It's a uh, it's a great opportunity to continue to grow in my career and and the skill set um, in this role. So here at Iowa Select, I love to say and, and and open this conversation as it's truly our business plan, right? So it's it's what we've done, it's what we've always done. We we want to be a sustainable business for the industry to pr- produce a product for our consumers. It's about efficiencies. It's about improving herd health. It's about livability. And so how we started thinking about this department and starting these initiatives, uh, we needed a foundation within this department. And so we have a, um, a set of values that we live by every day, and it's people care, animal care, community care, and environment care. 
and those values are the foundation of everything that we encompass under sustainable pork production at Iowa Select. And so a lot of those different pillars is stuff that we're already doing, right? So under people care, retaining our employees, providing them with leadership opportunities, ensuring that they feel safe and rewarded at the work at the workplace, stuff we're already doing. So we're really trying to just package it up to provide metrics to our customers and to their consumers. The same around animal care, right? We want to ensure that they have the best environment to live in, that we have the best animal welfare to provide to them, the, the care that we provide to them, um, and different ways that we're able to measure that and to verify that through external audits, you know, um, understanding how that we continue to improve in that area moving forward. Uh, but also around the livability, efficiencies, right? How do we produce more pigs with less resources? So constantly thinking about new uh, opportunities in that area. And then obviously community care. It's, it's what, it's, it's how we give back to communities that we live and work in. And it's, uh, we do a lot of that work through the foundation here at Iowa Select. It's the Deb and Jeff Hansen Foundation. And we have nine different programs uh, that really give back to um, all the communities here that we uh, live and work in uh, throughout Iowa. And so the, like you mentioned, the one pillar that um, that we continue to evolve is our environment care pillar. And so my past experience in the environmental manager, manager role uh, overseeing manure application was a great transition for me. Um, we're really trying to identify new areas that we can improve and continually to drive uh, this uh, initiative forward under the environment uh, pillar. So. That's very good. I think that that certainly kind of helps, um, particularly maybe some of our listeners get a better idea of what a sustainability manager might look like. Um, some might be exploring that themselves because that is a little different than maybe the, the typical environmental staff that we might have on hand. Because again, that's usually what I think of when I hear environmental staff. It's, it's the folks that are doing the nutrient management plans. They're making sure ponds are stocked with fish. They're making sure the tree lines up and and those types of things, but maybe not doing the full life cycle assessments on how do we minimize resource use. So I think that's actually a really unique position um, that maybe some of our audience might be intrigued and, and might be wanting to put into their own production group. Yeah, I think um, obviously having that knowledge and understanding on the environmental side is, 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 is huge and it's given me a lot of insight. Um, but it's interesting. A lot of my role, you know, like I mentioned, I we farm in southern Iowa, um, my husband and I with his family, and we actually have a 14-month-old son, and he loves playing tractors on our carpet. So he, I would assume maybe he would like to continue uh, down that path, right? And so um, it's very, very interesting and fun that a lot of the work that we do on our family farm intersects and overlaps with the work that I do at Iowa Select. And so having those conversations with my husband at the dinner table and um, bouncing ideas back and forth on how do we push this engine forward is, um, it's fun. It's, it's, uh, you, it, it helps build passion around this topic and, um, and it helps us, you know, grow professionally and personally within our are both of our operations. And uh, so it's really interesting how that overlaps and intersects. It's, it's fun. And I, I truly, truly 
love what I do. Um, and I think the main reason why I love what I do is, you know, I have a, a large passion and a big heart for farmers. And a lot of the sustainable practices that the industry is talking about pulls farmers to the table, right? It gives them the opportunity. It gives them a voice at the table and they hold a lot of power in their hands. And they've known this, they've, they've been sustainable, you know, for generations because it's protecting their dream and they want it to protect their next generation's dream, their children's dream. And so I think, um, I think that's really what drives my passion is truly helping the farmer bring them to the table and bring new opportunities and, and new ways that they can improve uh, their operations moving forward. Absolutely. And it, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's, it doesn't matter whether you're a small producer or you're a company like Iowa Select. We're, we've always been practicing sustainability. There's always different things we can do, just like anything else in our life, right? We, we're changing from gasoline generated vehicles to electric and we're doing things globally um, as a human population but production and farmers have done this for a long time and so we continue to evolve we continue to need to tell that story out loud and so someone with a sustainability type of position has that perfect opportunity right to to look at it from you know both the small side and, and the company side and say hey this is what we're doing and we do take this seriously and if we don't take care of the earth, we don't have a job, um, and we don't we don't do our our purpose in life, which is to serve others and and to provide food on the table. So I think that's a great story to tell, Erica. Um, one of the other things that I know you're you're very passionate about is women in agriculture, and so maybe let's talk a little bit about um, any suggestion, any advice that you may have for. For young women that are passionate about agriculture and, and maybe not quite sure where their fit is. Yeah, I I uh, am very very passionate about this for for rightful reasons. Um, I you know I heard a statistic the other day. I was up at a career fair at Iowa State, and um, I believe they mentioned that is it seventy percent of animal science undergraduates are women. And I would assume that that is a large increase over the years. And I, 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 I think that it's right to acknowledge that um, we will have more women coming into the workforce within animal science, within the animal agriculture industry. And, you know, I think um, there's a, an abundance of opportunities for us to continue to grow and work together um, to provide that for them. And so I think the piece of advice that I would give is to jump in and do it. You know, no matter if you don't know it or not, try it, try it out. Because every single role that I've been in, I've never thought I want to do that. Right. I never thought that I was going to be a guilt selector. I never told myself my dream job is to be an environmental service manager or a sustainability manager. I had no idea that I was going to be in this role today. And so my advice is jump in and do it. Who knows, right? And so if you don't like it, find another position, right? Find another opportunity. But everything that you learned in that first role or that second role that you didn't like or that third role that you liked, but maybe you wanted to move around, you will you will gain insight within the industry that will provide you, you know, what you needed to know for the next opportunity. 
One of the things that I participate in with um, another colleague of mine, which is uh, Dr. Brad or Dr. Casey Bradley, is like careers and coffee, and so she does some things where women have mentors. So our our undergraduates or our graduate students have mentors with um, women that are already out in in the career paths that they're interested in. What do you recommend for many of our women, right? So they may not be in more of that professional role. How do they find those mentors? Um, maybe guide them and, and lead them down the direction that they may want to go? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And honestly, when I was in my under, undergraduate, I, I wish I, I had reached out to a mentor, you know, to help guide me down this path. Um, I was reading a book one time and it told me that I needed a mentor to lean on uh, for certain situations that you're going through to, to gain insight. And so I honestly just reached out to somebody within within our internal um, business and asked her to be my mentor. And so I, I think it's as simple as that, right? It's as simple as who who do you value? Who do you, who do you know that has the same core values as you, um, that thinks the same way as you, that you know you look up to? Right. It's somebody that is a true leader in the industry, somebody that has, you know, those values that you live by every day, your personal values. And how is that aligned? And reach out, literally just reach out. It's it's as simple as that. And I guarantee you, nobody will turn you down. And if they turn you down, it's it's obvious. It's obvious that they're not going to be your mentor and it shouldn't be your mentor. So really just reach out. It's it's all about networking. Um, and I, and I meant to mention this earlier, but it's remarkable how networking can build so many bridges within this industry. Um, a lot of, a lot of the connections that I have now that have helped me in my sustainability role were through connecting word of mouth. Hey, you need to reach out to this person, talk to them about this program, talk to them about this practice. I reached out to them and we've, you know, moved forward with initiatives just through word of mouth. And I think that's huge. And so don't be afraid to network, reach out to them, send that email, give them a call because I guarantee you that if they're the true mentor and true leader, they will reach back out to you and help you any way that they can. And I think that's great advice, you know, and it doesn't have to just be for women. It can be for men as well. And even in, in my life, point today, if you will, I still have mentors. I never lose the need for mentors because you're, as you said, you're always changing. Your career might be changing. Um, just life itself may be changing. And so having people that not only can guide your career, but even just kind of help you keep your life in check. Um, Absolutely. Yes. Of more than one mentor, I would consider multiple of my coworkers my mentors or people within the industry itself. It's absolutely okay to have more than one mentor. I, I actually recommend it. I think it's great to lean on others for different perspectives and different experiences that they can bring to the table for you. Absolutely. Well, one more point that you've um, kind of suggested earlier was some discussion around communication. And so I want to kind of come back to that or, or leadership, if you will. Um, you know, knowing your leadership style was something that you had had brought up at one point. And I'm kind of curious as to what you mean by knowing your leadership style and how that might help you in your career path. Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I think uh, so 
I actually met with a mentor of mine uh, last week, and we talked about uh, leadership within a couple of different programs I'm working on because, you know, trying to gain insight of how to be effective and to be um, a positive experience for everybody involved in those programs and initiatives. Um, And here at Iowa Select, we do have a leadership program and it's based around um, a book that we read with chapters and a podcast. And um, we, our senior leadership team provides us with a ton of reading opportunities um, with different leadership books um, that we, that are available to us. But at the end of the conversation, um, it went towards, you can read every single leadership book out there and every single one will tell you a different way to lead. And it's the same exact way for parenting books. I can't imagine, I, I believe I had maybe four or five different parenting books given to me when I um, was pregnant with my son. And every single parenting book was a different approach on how to parent. And at the end of the day, you are going to parent the way that works for you and your family and for you and your husband. And it's the exact same way with leadership. There's not one specific way that you need to move forward with your leadership style. It's how you lead. It's very individualized. And no matter what every single book tells you how to lead, obviously there's extremely good nuggets in every single book. And I encourage you to read as many books as you can around leadership to gain insight. But at the end of the day, you need to identify and understand what your individualized leadership skill set is. Yeah, I think that's a great suggestion. And and you're absolutely right. And even within a leadership role, right, sometimes you lead, sometimes you follow, sometimes you encourage. And so you can't go in with a fixed mindset and, and every group, the dynamic is different. And so you're absolutely right that leadership, even within yourself, is going to change based on the situation. So I, I absolutely agree. And I, you know, as we kind of look at our time today, unfortunately, we're kind of coming to the end of our conversation and you and I could probably talk a lot longer. Um, but I, I do think, Erica, you've provided some great, great nuggets of information um, for individuals who are going through their career paths, who are trying to decide, you know, what's right, what's wrong, where do I fit in, where do I go from here, how do I grow? And then certainly just, you know, the conversation around mentors and being a good leader. And and so I do want to thank you for all of your insight into opportunities of being involved in ag and um, learning to grow in pig production. It is time to our famous three. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Ivonic. We are sciencing the global food challenge. Healthy Farms by Bioverse, your manure management experts. Swine management to the next level. Cloudfarms.com. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Did you know that you can improve productivity across all your farms using real-time data? With a user-friendly app and a secure cloud-based solution, CloudFarms provides real-time reporting for your entire team from anywhere. Our benchmarking farm-to-farm analysis allows you to make data-driven decisions to meet your company's goals, providing only the best for all types of pig production. If you want to take your company to the next level, go to www.cloudfarms.com. 
so as we kind of wrap up, we do ask our, our guest speaker a few questions. The first question I'd like to ask you uh, focuses around a swine resource. Do you have a resource that you work with that you would recommend to the group? Yeah, um, I've, I believe I've probably already alluded to this um, during our conversation, but I would say my number one swine resource is my coworkers. I lean on them for everything. There's a ton of knowledge with the people that you work with, and I think it's uh, very knowledgeable. There's a ton of experience in Iowa Select and the, the the knowledge that they bring, you know, from other companies as they continue with their career here at Iowa Select. And so definitely lean towards and, and turn towards your coworkers because um, they've got a world of knowledge and even outside this wine industry, just, you know, life in general, there's a lot of experience that you can um, gain from them. Yeah, they're always a great resource. Absolutely. How about something that's not pig related? Is there a book that you might recommend to the listeners? Yeah, you know, Laura, you sent me uh, these questions um, in advance. And I know that um, uh, we had just talked about leadership styles and actually leadership books are my favorite books to read because I think they gain, uh, you, you can gain so many great nuggets out of them. Um, and it's a great, you know, conversation, conversation starter. Um, and, you know, having that conversation with my mentor and really talking about your leadership skies, your leadership style and how you individualize that. Um, I'm actually not going to recommend a specific leadership book, but the one book that I would recommend to all of your listeners um, to read that that gives you an excellent example of servant leadership is the Bible. I think the Bible provides everybody with uh, the knowledge around how Jesus ultimately was the best leader around consistency, support, love, um, selfless leading, and courage. Very good, Erica. The last question I would like to ask you really focuses around um, someone in your life, and you don't need to give us a name, but somebody in your life who you view as successful. What's a trait about them that you think has allowed them to be successful? Yeah. Um, again, I think this goes back to leadership um, and definitely around um, styles of leadership. And I think, you know, a lot of the successful leaders are servant leaders. They put others before themselves and they're extremely selfish, selfless. Um, they put other people's needs before their own and, you know, Becoming a parent, um, I think that's probably the number one skill set that I have absolutely learned as I continue in this new role as a mom is constantly putting somebody else's needs in front of my own. And I think um, that can correlate to a lot of different aspects within your career, within your personal life, within, you know, relationships that you have outside of your family. Um, and I think, you know, the most successful leaders are the ones that are servant leaders. Yeah, I would agree there. I think that's a very good trait for people to have to, to be good leaders and to be successful in life. Erica, our time has unfortunately come to an end. Um, I do want to thank you again for your time today. Uh, for our audience who is listening, if you missed the beginning, this is Erica Lane, who is a sustainability manager for Iowa Select Farms. Erica, thank you so much. Thank you for having me today. 
Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.